Good morning, friends. How are y'all? Okay, I'll accept. It has been an awesome day, though. The baptism was so wonderful. We baptized sweet Eloise this morning, and we have some new members joining in this service. It's going to be a good day. It's a good day. And I just want to say, I'm seeing more youth out here than I've seen in a while, and I love it. So yeah, yeah. Let's love on these kiddos, and let's let them know how much we enjoy having them worship with us. I mean, we're a community of all ages, and so we've got to really love on them and let them know we're glad they're here. So we are um, continuing our uh, sermon series on Nehemiah, on learning from Nehemiah how to be a leader. And so we learned a couple weeks ago about how Nehemiah dealt with opposition from the outside of their community. And so today we're going to dig into how he dealt with conflict within, the, their, within themselves. But before we do that, I want to invite you to open your St. John app, follow along with our sermon notes. Even if we don't talk about these, they're there for you every single week. Uh, we really enjoy offering these to you, so please take advantage of them. Uh, they're a great way to follow along with the sermon and throw in some ideas that you have or questions that you may have for us. We're going to dig right into the scripture today from Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. Now there was a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish kin. For there were those who said, with our sons and our daughters, we are many. We must get grain so that we may eat and stay alive. There were also those who said, we are having to pledge our fields, our vineyards, and our houses in order to get grain during the famine. And there were those who said, we are having to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay the king's tax. Now our flesh is the same of that as our kindred. Our children are the same as their children, and yet we are forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have been ravished. We are powerless, and our fields and vineyards now belong to others. I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these complaints. After thinking it over, I brought charges against the nobles and officials. I said to them, you all are all taking interest from your own people. And I called a great assembly to deal with them. And said to them, as far as we were able, we have brought back our Jewish kindred who have been sold to other nations. But now you are selling your own kin, who must then be bought back to us. They were silent and could not find a word to say. All right, so we know now that Nehemiah has gone back to Jerusalem to build the wall. The wall that had been uh, destroyed and the gate that had been burned. And we know that it only took 52 days to build that wall and the gate back. So at this point in Scripture, we're nearing the finishing of that wall and the gate. We're getting really close. But that also means it's harvest time. It's probably August, September time frame. So they need to be able to get back to harvest. But what's happened is Nehemiah has asked those people who are working on the wall to stay in Jerusalem until it's finished which means they can't go back to do the harvest. So this created quite a situation that some bad people tried to capitalize on, and oppression started happening. And there were two groups of folks who were really affected by this. There were the wage earners, those people in families who would take control of that harvest and do the harvest and then actually get the money and the grain for the folks to eat. And then there were the landowners. The landowners weren't reaping anything because there wasn't anything to harvest and nobody was harvesting. And they were continuing the tax of the Babylonians. The Persian government was still taking taxes from them. And so they had taxes to pay, but they had no income coming in. 
So enter in the loan sharks who go to the landowners and say, hey, you need money? I got money, so I'm going to give you some. But the way that those folks paid debt back then is very different than how we pay debt now. Instead of just paying it back with money and interest, they paid it with their sons and their daughters. Their sons would go to work for these folks, and they would offer their daughters up as wives to either the, debt, the people who were actually the loan sharks or for their children. It was a terrible situation, a very sad one. And basically, to sum it up, there was little money, there was little grain, but there was big hunger. And not only hunger in a way physically, but hunger for freedom. Here these people had just been freed out of exile, back into their home nation, and they were already being oppressed. And it was a sad, sad situation. And Nehemiah became angry. In verse 6, it says, I was very angry when I heard their outcry. And so we've got to think about, at this point, what Nehemiah has gone through. Nehemiah had been told that his people had been freed. They had gone back to Jerusalem, but that the gate had been burned and that the wall had been destroyed, and he grieved over that. He wept. And so he prayed, and God said, you got to go, and you got to be the leader. And so he stepped out of his comfort zone. He went to King Artaxerxes, and he said, hey, we got to go. And they said, go, and he went. And then he faced this opposition from the outside, and he conquered that, and he, he pushed through that. But now, but now, probably the worst of the worst, their own people were oppressing their own people. From within the community, the Jewish people were taking advantage of the Jewish people who were building a wall, not only for the people who were working on it, but for the whole community. This was something that was going to benefit everybody. This was something that would honor God on behalf of everybody. But yet they were capitalizing on a tiring, hard, dissolute situation. So he grew angry. But I want to stop here and talk about anger briefly, which I realize is not actually very brief. So, just forewarning. <laughs> so we're going to talk about anger. And instead of Nehemiah immediately acting on that anger, he paused and he thought it over. Now, we've heard a lot, especially it seems like the last five to ten years, about righteous anger. And, and it seems, especially lately, there's just a lot of anger. People are angry. We just see a lot of crazy things happening out there in the world, all stemmed through anger. And a lot of this anger is based on people who are oppressed. A lot of the righteous anger that we hear about. People who are being oppressed and have different things happening to them. But I'm going to be bold here, it is my word for 2022, and say that nothing good can come from anger. Not one good thing can happen. It is a lie and a fallacy to believe that. And the reason for that is, is because God is the only one who can have righteous anger. And the reason for that is, is because he is the only righteous being. He's the only one of us that's righteous. Our lens is skewed. It's skewed because of sin, because of pride, and because of ego. Sure, we can dig into Scripture. We can grow closer to God through the Holy Spirit. We can become more and more Christ-like, which is absolutely what God wants for us. But we will always have sin and pride and ego that we are battling in this life. And God is the only true judge 
of righteousness. And so Nehemiah stepped outside of his anger, and he sought God's wisdom and God's guidance. And he did that because he knew that if he allowed his anger to stick, that he would make a decision that was outside of God's will. It's never easy for us to do that. It's never easy for us to set aside our pride, especially when we're angry and we see an injustice. Because what we want is justice. But a lot of times the way we want justice is not the way God sees justice. And so we have to surrender our will to God's will, trusting that he is the true just of the world and he is going to work things out for his will and his glory and his goodness. I want to plug a book called Unoffendable. If you haven't read this book or heard of this book, you're going to want to read it. I think it is one of the most important books of our lifetime right now, especially for the nation and the things that are happening in our world. This is the book you're going to want to read. And for someone who struggles with anger every single day of her life, I go to Celebrate Recovery every single week to lay down my anger. And a lot of people go, oh, you're never angry. You're Ashley. You're bubbly and happy. Oh, ask Chris. (laughs) He gets a different view of it. (laughs) But I take it up. I lay it at the cross, and I take it back off the cross, and I lay it on the cross, and I take it back off the cross. And Brad Hansen, who's a Christian radio uh, host, he talks about anger and how bad it is, How, how it's just really destroying us as humanity. And then he digs into this concept of injustice. And what do you do if you don't have anger in the face of injustice? Because you have to have anger in order to do anything about it. At least that's sort of the culture that we live in. I've even seen folks say, if you're not angry, you're part of the problem. And I can't get on board with that scripturally. I cannot believe that. You see, what Hanson really talks about is that we have a lot of anger going on, but not a lot of action. Sure, we see it on social media and tweets, and we see all kinds of stuff. People are mad. But the tweeting and the social media isn't making much of a difference. You're just talking. We need action. God wants action from us. And Nehemiah knew that his anger wasn't going to spawn him into the right direction of action. So what he did is he approached God He approached scripture, and God transformed that anger into love. And when that anger is transformed into love, that's when we are able to make an action, take a next step that's going to be actually helpful and effective, is when we can offer ourselves in love. Dallas Willard, who was quoted in the book, and this is one of the quotes from it, says, Stepping out of anger means you are surrendering your will to God. It means you have accepted that you don't have to have it your way. When we set aside who we are and we allow God to tell us who we are through his lens, we understand that everyone really needs love. And so we can step outside that anger. We can lay it down and let God have it. And we can move in the direction that he needs us to move. And it may not look like what we want it to look like. We have no idea what Nehemiah, how Nehemiah wanted this to go. We don't know what his way would have been because he surrendered his way to God's. 
But what we find out is that he dug into Scripture and he came up with a plan to step in to support the oppressed and the poor and the hungry. It was time for him yet again to step outside his comfort zone and do what God wanted him to do. And so do we. We have to do those same things. So you know me, I'm all about stats. I looked up how many people actually volunteer in the U.S., and it's 63 million people serve in the U.S. There are 167 million Christians. Now, notice that does not say 63 million Christians serve in the U.S., but even if we assume that all of these people, these 63 million are Christians, you still got 104 million Christians that aren't serving. But I don't believe that, that 63 million are Christians. I think it's a mix of all kinds of people, some who don't identify as Christians. Because when we think about that 80-20 that rule, it's probably pretty low of that 167 million that are actually serving. That fired me up. I hope it fires you up too. That's not the kind of stat we want to see. And there's all kinds of reasons or excuses for why people don't serve. Number one is time. I don't have the time to do it. And I totally get it. I've got three kids under the age of five. I don't even have time to sleep. So I get it. But the other reason is, well, we don't know how. We don't know where. We don't want anybody that goes, and that makes me a little uncomfortable. I don't, I don't like going and doing things by myself. And another reason is, well, nobody's ever asked me to serve. So guess what, friends? I'm knocking two of those reasons out today. I'm going to tell you the where and the how, and I'm going to ask you to serve. So, boom, mic drop. <laughs> All right? So now we've got to work on the time, and that's between you and Jesus, and I think you can do it. So I want to take the time today to talk about the different organizations, the different mission partners that we have here at St. John. I felt it was important. You know, we do a lot of things here. We have a lot of people that serve, and I know I'm preaching to the choir. I really do. I know a lot of y'all out there are, are, are serving at these places. But I also know we don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about how we are in the communities sharing the love of God and being the hands and feet. And so I'm going to do that. So if you don't know, I actually had somebody tell me they learned something in the first service. So I'm excited about that. So I'm going to start with the easier thing to do. And I say easier because that's what it is. But we have our barrel ministry, which if you've ever noticed in our lobbies, we have these nice little barrels. And so January through September... We promote uh, an organization that has a need, an item of some sort. And so y'all bring those in, and I can tell you that barrel ministry is always awesome. You just knock it out of the park with the items that they need, and they are always so thankful for it. And then we have Mountain Mission, and that's a, a truck that comes. They pick up all of our stuff from 5 to 6.30 today. You can actually bring anything that you have in your house that you need to get rid of, and that goes down to Appalachia, Kentucky, my good old neck of the woods. And it goes, it goes into a shop where they can actually afford the things that they need. It is an awesome, awesome ministry. And that's happening today, 5 to 6.30 in the front portico. And then, of course, you can give. You can give any time you want to give. Make a check out to St. John or donate money and write it out to the specific organization that you want it to go to. And we will get it there for you. Or, of course, you can donate directly there. I start with this because Nehemiah was doing this. Nehemiah was giving of his funds. He was giving of his resources. He was supporting the people that were working on the wall, but it wasn't enough. And this isn't enough either. This is awesome, and it's good, but it's not enough. God wants us to step out 
and be the hands and feet and build relationships with people. And so I'm going to talk about different organizations that give you the chance to do that. And first, I'm going to start with something we call the Love Local Initiative. So I think way before my time, there was a Love Local Initiative. We tried to take it off. It didn't really take off. And so now we've revamped it. And now it's we support these organizations that are here locally. We're able to give them a little bit above what we would typically give. And not only do we give money, but we go and we serve. And we do service projects with that money. And we actually are the hands and the feet. And I have Habitat for Humanity up here. That's something we do every other year. We actually dedicated a house in April. Uh, so thank you to all of those people that helped. We'll be doing that again soon. So keep on the lookout for, for, for that if that's something you're interested in. But I want to plug something new. So High Point Charitable Services in Crestwood, we have an opportunity to step out in faith and do something big. So every Thursday they have dinners and they have like a worship service with that dinner. And you guys get to go preach. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I just saw that opportunity. What we're going to do is we're going to prepare the food, we're going to take the food, and we're going to serve it. And that's going to happen on the fourth Thursday of every month. This would be an awesome opportunity for a small group to do or a couple small groups to band together. And St. John's going to support you in that by giving you a little money for the food that you have to buy and prepare. And if you want to sign up for that, Ashley has stepped outside her comfort zone and there are pieces of paper out in the lobby that you can actually sign up for with a pen. You don't even have to go into the app, but you can. You can, okay? I'm giving you the best of both worlds here. So please think about doing that. It's an awesome organization, but I tell you, these three that we support, Bread of Life, which is our food pantry just up the way, they need, they need volunteers this summer. And, and High Point always need folks from advocates who sit with people and talk with them about their needs and offer them the hope of Christ, all the way to helping with the food pantry they have there, or the clothes closet. And Grace Kids, if, if you don't know what Grace Kids is, Grace Kids is a church in the west end of Louisville. And let me tell you what amazing things that church is seeing. Those kids are preaching. Those kids are leading communion. They are all in. They are experiencing the love of Christ, and it is transforming their lives. And if you want to have your socks blessed off, then you go down there and you, you serve. You take them a meal, and you, you worship with them. It is amazing. So I want, to, I want to just ask you to be open to doing that. And then for some prison ministries, we have Prodigal Ministries, which is an awesome organization that helps formerly incarcerated folks get their life back. They, they provide them with tools and resources to learn life skills. They dig into their addictions by digging into their uh, trauma, the abuse that they've experienced. They, they give them the gift of freedom, the freedom that only Jesus Christ can give us. And then a newer project for us that we've invested in is Aunt Mary's Storybook Project. This, is, this was something that's kind of been on hold because the prisons have been closed, but they are opened up now. And so in September, we actually have the opportunity to go into, these, into the women's facility in Pee Wee Valley, record them. Yes, there's a little bit of tech, but don't worry, you'll be trained. But you go in and you allow a mom to read a bedtime story to her child. I can only imagine how touching it would be to hear that mama saying, good night, and I love you. How moving. What a gift that would be for a child who is separated from their mom. And then we have Hope Health Clinic. 
which is a clinic out in LaGrange that offers health care at such a time where it is needed. It's only $15 a visit. They only have five employees that work there, and they're open five days a week to, all, to thousands of people that come and get their health care there. They need volunteers. Whether you're medically trained or not, they need people to get plugged in there. Portland Promise and Lighthouse Academy are two awesome education centers that provide resources. Portland Promise is in the Portland area of Louisville, and they are opening a preschool for three classes in the fall, and that is meeting such a need for that area. These people are driving so far to find safe places for their children to go during the day, and now they're going to have one right in their backyard. And Lighthouse Academy, which is the Newburgh area, provides lots of education resources for elementary and middle school children. Go Ministries, which is one of our international partners. We always think of Go Ministries as being our mission trip. And yes, it's an amazing mission trip, and I hope that we are going to be able to do that soon. But they offer a lot more. Right now, you can be a disciple sponsor. And you can help someone go through the process of becoming more Christ-like and learning about being a disciple. You can be the disciple that God tells you to be in making disciples right now with that organization. Henderson Settlement, which is in my neck of the woods in good old Appalachia, Kentucky. We've tried a few years to have a work camp down there. It's been really hard to get that off the ground, to get a lot of people invested in doing that. But these folks, their houses aren't safe to live in. They need people to come down there and help them have a good life, a solid life, and a nice roof over their head. And so we have the opportunity to do that. I, I, I urge you to really pray about taking the time to go down to beautiful, beautiful Appalachia. And, and help some beautiful, beautiful people. And they don't only do that, but they have a um, consignment store. They have gardens. They provide jobs for a lot of people in a place that doesn't have a lot of job opportunities. And then lastly is Kentucky United Methodist Children's Home. Y'all, for three years in a row, Kentucky had the worst child abuse rate in the nation. Just in 2020, we riz, rose up to fifth place, which I guess is better. But it's still terrible. Children in Kentucky need love and care and encouragement, and they need the hope of Jesus Christ. And this home down in Nicholasville does that. And they need, they need help to continue doing that. And so why do I do this? Why did I share all of this and take the time to talk through each of these mission partners? Well, frankly, I just didn't have anything else to talk about. <laughs> it was a bad joke at 830. I know it's still a bad joke. I tried. I was trying to wake you all up if any of you all fell asleep out there. <laughs> no, I do this because it is, it is vital to who we are. It's essential to being disciples, to being people who are called into God's family. It's, it's not just about gifts and money. It's about so much more. It's not enough to do those things, even though it's important. And it's hard to give. But Jesus wants us to use our hands and feet to build relationships with people. Because not only are they going to be transformed, but you're going to be transformed in, in the process. And Nehemiah, this was so important to him. When he, when he talked to the nobles and he talked to that huge group that he had together, they were speechless. They didn't know what to do. So he told them what to do. He said, you're going to stop doing what you're doing. And they said, yes, sir. And they stopped. And then he went on to say, for those who don't do it, for those who aren't supporting the poor and the oppressed, for those who are causing the oppression, God, shake them right out of here. There is no place for them. 
And when you read Matthew 25, what Jesus says about those people who serve the least of these. Remember the goat and the sheep? We don't want to be a goat. A goat is someone that doesn't care for the poor, doesn't support the, the weak, doesn't feed the hungry, doesn't love the imprisoned. They're going to go to the bad place. It's important, friends. It's essential. And here at St. John, our vision is to make a difference by following Christ, offering hope, serving others, and loving everyone. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, if you aren't serving in some capacity, it doesn't have to be in one of these organizations, we offer these to you to make it a little bit easier for you to know that there, these are options are out there. But if you're not doing something in some way and getting personal with someone and helping them in their time of need, you're missing the gospel. You're missing who God wants you to be. You're missing a big part of the calling we have on our lives as disciples. Nehemiah sought reconciliation for the whole community. Because God is the God of the whole. When we serve the least of these, when we serve the poor and the hungry and the oppressed and the weak and the imprisoned, we are serving the whole of God's kingdom. If not, then friends, we're just serving ourselves. So I'll leave us with this question. Who are you serving today? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this call that you have on our lives, even though it's hard. We get busy, and there's so much in our own lives that we have to maintain and keep up, and we lose sight of the kingdom. When you tell us to seek you first... God, we know we seek other things. But we pray right now that you help us know that if we step out in faith to do that, you're going to be right with us every step of the way. You're going to help us serve those who are the least. You're going to bless them and love them. And you're going to take all this stuff we feel, the anger we feel, the hurt we feel, and you're going to replace it with love and mercy and grace the kind that you've extended to us that now we have the opportunity to extend to others. God, we love you and we praise you. We know you are here with us in this place. We thank you that you have given us this opportunity to be challenged by your word today. May we leave set anew and fresh to serve you and to be your hands and feet in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.